Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Clowns to the left of me, jokers to the right, here I am stuck in the middle with you. Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, Season 2. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host, recording today from the historic WGNS studios located in the heart of the great volunteer state, Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Joining me today is my guest, Mr. James Mackler, candidate for the United States Senate in the great state of Tennessee. James, welcome to the Man in the Middle. Stephen, it's great to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes, sir. Thank you. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule, James. Uh, Listen, I I find your personal story very compelling. So if you will, please uh, let the listeners know um, and the people down here in Rutherford County, give us a little bit of a background about yourself, James, and just tell us who you are. I'd be happy to. And I want to start, though, by acknowledging that this is a really important moment. We need to acknowledge the murder of so many black Americans and the systemic racism that's brought us to this point. We can do better. We must do better. And we need leaders that will say that black lives do matter so we can begin healing these deep wounds. On this and in so many other ways, Washington is failing Tennessee, and that's why I got into this race. Since I launched my campaign at a closed rural hospital in McKenzie, three more have closed, and now Tennessee leads the nation in rural hospital closures per person. The opioid epidemic is ravaging our communities and there's no national solution. People aren't even talking about that anymore. The trade war hurt our economy more than any other state. And then you add in COVID-19 and you can see there's a perfect storm gathering across Tennessee. People want change. Throughout my life, I've chosen service. After we were attacked on 9-11, I closed my law practice. I joined the US Army because I felt like I needed to do more in a time of crisis. I learned to fly a Black Hawk helicopter. I did that in Iraq, joined the 101st Airborne Division uh, and deployed with them. And when I came back, I saw the problems with military sexual assault. And so I became a JAG officer and I worked to protect the survivors of military sexual assault and prosecute other criminals. My first job out of the Army was working with the Mine Safety and Health Administration because coal miners need justice and coal mine companies that put profits ahead of people need to be held accountable. I'm an outsider, I'm a veteran, I'm a man of faith, I'm a different kind of candidate, and I'm running for the Senate for the same reason I joined the Army. I'm stepping forward to serve and do more in a time of crisis. Fantastic, James. I had no idea you worked for MSHA. I'm very familiar with the Mine and Health Safety Administration. So, yes, and what the work that they do is noble. Um, Just on a side note, I know the fatalities in the United States from mining have dropped dramatically over especially the past 50 years, but because of the work of MSHA and uh, protecting the workers. So let's just start there, James. Let's talk about the workers of America. Let's talk about... uh, Um, you know, how you feel about unions, all of that kind of stuff. Give us an impression about where your worldview on on American workers. Sure. Well, let me tell you a little bit more about that uh, MSHA project to start with, because I'm really proud of that work. Yeah. Uh, For for so many years, coal mine companies, many of them, uh, were putting profits ahead of people. And so they were fighting every single safety violation, regardless of uh, the amount of the fine or the severity as a business model. Yes. And uh, the Mine Safety and Health Administration took it upon themselves to hire a team of lawyers to kind of, re, you know, uh, get get out of that backlog that had had been created. And so I really did have the privilege of working with service oriented 
attorneys and other professionals to make sure that those that those companies that were putting profits ahead of people were held accountable and that those coal miners attained the justice they really needed. And it, it is one of the one of the many ways I found to serve and one that really I'm very proud of. I come from a union family and I appreciate how important the hard fought victories of organized labor have been to our country. And we can't take any of those rights for granted. Uh, that's why just recently I joined the Tennessee AFL-CIO's workers caravan to stand up for workers' rights. Uh, that was last week. And what's happening in the Tennessee legislature right now is exactly what a Mitch McConnell-led U.S. Senate will continue to do. My opponent, Bill Haggerty, will help him do it. And that's why I'm running. When I'm in the Senate, I'm going to protect workers' rights to collectively bargain, and I'm going to fight back against right-to-work laws. Wow. Great answer, James. That's uh, that's so important. And, and, and I can tell you, as a former miner or in the mining industry my entire career, not coal mining, but, but stone aggregate, um, I saw over a 30-year career, I watched the, the entire culture of that industry change to where safety really is a priority for many of these companies, and uh, they really do care about their people. While we're talking about that, uh, safety of our workers, let's just jump right on to the, the issue with COVID and uh, Mitch McConnell's uh, uh, biggest piece of legislation that he's insisting on right now, which is a liability shield for all of the companies all over the country. James, what's your opinion on a liability shield? M- McConnell is using this pandemic to realize his personal long-term goal of stripping individuals' ability to hold negligent companies accountable. Using the pandemic to realize that goal is wrong. I I wholeheartedly support worker protections. We need them in place now more than ever. We need to make sure that businesses are taking precautions to keep their employees healthy so they don't put themselves or others in harm's way. And the truth is we can't have a healthy economy without having healthy people. We ought to help businesses reopen in a way that's safe for the workers and the customers. But McConnell, he's he, he's using a pandemic to play politics, to just realize a long-held goal of his. Yeah, it's just terrible. It's just terrible. I, I agree with you. Even though we have a, a lot of good, um, you know, uh, regulatory uh, uh, groups like MSHA, like OSHA, um, you know, they're only as powerful as the, as the laws that are made behind them uh, grant them the power. But their job is to protect the U.S. worker and the employee out there. James, let's move on. I ask all of my guests this question. If you could, when elected, if you could choose one issue, just one issue to have an impact on to change this country, what would that issue be? We've got a lot of work to do. My top priority is going to be access to health care. I believe that access to health care is a right, and fixing our health care system has to be my first priority in the Senate. Our state leads the nation in closed rural hospitals per person. The opioid epidemic is ravaging our communities and people can't get access to treatment. And access to healthcare and healthcare outcomes have become so different depending on who you are or where you live in Tennessee. So there are a few things we need to do. We need to reduce the cost of prescription drugs. There's no reason the government should be prohibited from negotiating lower prices. We've got to stop our rural hospitals from closing. And that means expanding Medicaid. And if our gerrymandered supermajority in Tennessee won't do that, we've got to do it in Congress. And we have to stabilize the exchanges and bring down costs. Lamar Alexander actually had a bipartisan bill with Patty Murray that would have done that, and it never got a vote in Mitch McConnell's Senate. I'll reintroduce that bill as soon as I get there. And then finally, 
we have to continue protecting those with pre-existing conditions. There are 1.3 million Tennesseans with pre-existing conditions, and they will all lose coverage if the lawsuit that this administration has taken all the way to the Supreme Court is successful. Bill Haggerty supports that lawsuit. It's wrong for Tennessee, especially in a pandemic, and Tennesseans need a senator who's going to fight against that, end that lawsuit, and work to improve the Affordable Care Act, not undermine it. Great answer, James. Absolutely agree with you on that. So let's uh, let's talk about um, obviously healthcare and the economy are tied together, as this virus has pointed out so uh, dramatically in the last ninety days through, through the past three or four months. James, I, be- I believe our economy. I think we can't even wrap our mind around the devastation to our economy, it, uh, the collapse that has happened in the last three or four months. Uh, I know that we have to have a safe work environment and and really get a handle on this virus, but how can we help businesses and the economy recover? How can you help as a member of the United States Senate? We can't have a healthy economy without healthy workers. That has to be top of mind. I want us to get back to work as quickly and safely as possible, and that means relying on science and data to tell us when it's safe to do so. Even before the pandemic, Tennessee had one of the highest rates of minimum wage workers in the nation. We cannot accept a system where people are trapped in minimum wage jobs forever. That's what happens when folks are stuck working hard at two or three of these jobs. There's no time left in the day or the week for anything else, not for family, certainly not to learn new skills or earn a degree, and there's no time to find uh, a better paying job. There's an important role for the federal government to play investing in things we know create good, high-paying jobs now and in the future, like infrastructure, education, clean energy. That's, that's incredibly important. The other thing, this is near and dear to me, is there should be more incentives for service so that young people can get involved in their communities, meet and work with folks they might not otherwise meet, and help them pay for college. Service played such an important role in my life, and I can see how it can help to both rebuild our economy and build some bridges uh, back between us. Tennesseans that work hard and play by the rules, they they ought to be able to obtain the American dream. And we have a lot of work to do. Yeah, absolutely. So you touched on infrastructure there. I, that's near and dear to my heart, James. And uh, not only have I made a career out of it for 30 plus years, but I'm also a citizen of Rutherford County. And, and most folks down here in Murfreesboro understand that we have a severe infrastructure problem. Um, right now, there's a bill that has passed the House that is sitting on Mitch McConnell's desk that he will not bring for a vote, I believe, because he knows it'll pass and the president will sign it. Um, how do we get that infrastructure bill out of the Senate and and uh, to a conference to where we can actually sign it into law? I, I don't know if you're aware, but the actual uh, surface transportation bill uh, funding, it expires, I think, next month. And uh, this would be the first time in history since the invention of, of Dwight Eisenhower and the invention of the interstate highway system that this we've actually allowed this funding to go away. How can you help get infrastructure through the U.S. Senate? Well, Tennessee's crumbling infrastructure is holding us back, and we need to talk about infrastructure in a broad sense, of course, to include both physical and digital. Yes. Today, more than a million Tennesseans live in internet deserts. They don't have access to good broadband connections, and that limitation has been both highlighted and exacerbated by COVID-19. It's awfully hard to get telemedicine or uh, remote education uh, or work from home if you don't have a good internet connection. 
there are nearly a thousand bridges across Tennessee that are considered structurally deficient, which puts all Tennessee drivers at risk. There is bipartisan consensus, as you pointed out, to invest in infrastructure. But rather than passing a bill, Mitch McConnell directed dollars we need in Tennessee to his biggest campaign donors in Kentucky. The way we get progress on any of the important issues is to change the Senate majority. Yeah. Uh, Mitch McConnell is holding us back. We need to elect a new senator from Tennessee who's going to fight for infrastructure for all Tennesseans. Yes, absolutely, James. So you served our country overseas in a war, gave up your law practice just to go fight a war for this country, which is just that act of patriotism in itself is uh, remarkable. Our country's world, our, the, the, our country's reputation around the world, I believe, has been diminished. We have dropped out of the uh, WHO, the World Health Organization. We're th- threatening NATO with pulling out of our alliances in Europe. Um, I don't even know if the United Nations exists anymore. I know that this administration has refused to pay the money that we owe to the United Nations. James, how do we restore the standing of the United States in the world? Having served overseas, I know our alliances have helped enhance our national security. Uh, Those relationships make us safer when our allies know that we'll stand by their side as we fight our common enemies. Uh, I know that a strong diplomatic corps, strong intelligence corps helps us stay out of conflicts and shortens our conflicts. When we have an administration that conducts foreign policy by tweet, abandons our allies while cozying up to dictators, drives out top military and diplomatic personnel, protesting a host of questionably motivated policy decisions, and misleads the American people on a daily basis, we are all less safe. Uh, We're strongest when we bring all of our forces to the fight, and that means we have to continue to support, support diplomacy, trust intelligence, stand by our allies, because when we don't do that, when we fail to, we create a leadership vacuum. Yeah. And that leadership vacuum is filled, as you know, by countries like China and Russia that don't share our values. And, and let me just add something uh, more because you alluded to this. Threatening to put the full force of the US military on civilian streets makes about as much sense as defunding the WHO during a pandemic. Yeah, it's yeah, dangerous and it's wrong. It is. And, and and James, I'm not a lawyer like you, but I mean, posse comitatus, I mean, what? How, how are we getting around this? I mean, we know that Homeland Security has drones monitoring these protests now. And I, I, I'm just under, I, you know, I'm lost when it comes to the constitutionality of that, of using our armed forces on the streets of America because it's right there in the Constitution. I, I'm not a lawyer, but I can read. So. The, the rule of law is, is under attack. Mm-hmm. And perhaps most tragic, there's no oversight. We all know that the reason we have three branches of government is to allow for checks and balances. Uh, the U.S. Senate has failed in its oversight role. That is why Mitch McConnell and Marshall Blackburn want Bill Haggerty installed in the U.S. Senate, because he will be a rubber stamp for the president and for the policies that they're pushing through, which are hurting Tennesseans. Yeah. So and I'm glad you ended on on Bill Haggerty there. Um, Bill Haggerty was the ambassador to Japan, and I suppose he's been endorsed by the president of the United States. So I, I guess that he supports the trade war that's been going on, particularly with China in down here in in Middle Tennessee, in Moore County, we have the famous old number seven Jack Daniels that that is manufactured here in Tennessee and shipped all over the world. 
And as a result of that, the citizens of, of Moore County, their, their average income is double of everyone in the surrounding counties because of their ability to ship products to China and other countries around the world. James, do you support free trade with other countries? And how would we, how do we walk back this trade war and, and, and so it doesn't become a hot war? For example, I mean, that's always trade wars lead to hot wars. And I think we've seen the Chinese become especially more aggressive during this period. And Jack Daniels shipments are off 50% down in Moore County, their international shipments are. Where do you stand on trade? Last I heard, Jack Daniels had lost $150 million as a result of the trade war, and I suspect it's it's quite a bit more now. Uh, and that's just one example of how Tennessee's economy can benefit from a global economy, mm-hmm. but only if we aren't taken advantage of in bad trade deals. The administration's trade war of choice hurts Tennessee's economy more than any other state, making it harder for us to sell our products. And because we are part of a, a global economy, some of those markets that took years to build relationships in aren't coming back. They're going to other countries and they're going to stay there. Bill Haggerty's ECD made us the state most dependent on trade with China. Mm. That's why our economy was hurt the most by the trade war. Yeah. In the Senate, I'll support fair trade deals that put American workers on an equal playing field. And unlike Haggerty, I won't make it easier to ship our jobs overseas. Fantastic. Yes. You know, I I know there are a lot of Tennesseans that think that we can be Fortress America, and that's just not the case. We are dependent upon the rest of the world. I saw today where the Europeans are considering banning all flights to and from the United States. And, um, uh, you know, I know that's off of trade, but tourism is obviously a big deal here in the state of Tennessee. And uh, all of this is tied together and really goes back to the pandemic let me well, ask. absolutely and yeah. oh i'm sorry to interrupt no, you. No, just, go ahead you know, bill, bill you mentioned the pandemic and bill haggerty's tough talk on china in regard to trade it's just not enough to rewrite his record tennessee can't afford to send another rubber stamp to the senate and that's what bill haggerty's pledged to be yeah. I, i'm a combat veteran stepping forward to serve in a crisis that bill haggerty's special interest agenda has created and made worse for all tennesseans yeah Absolutely. So I'm going to change gears on you one more time. So obviously this administration and and the top Republicans in the Senate are looking for someone to blame for the lack of leadership and a plan to combat this pandemic. Recently, Senator Marsha Blackburn suggested that citizens should sue the People's Republic in China in court over damages from coronavirus. Now, once again, James, I'm no lawyer, but I believe if I walked down here to the Murfreesboro Courthouse and and told uh, Judge Ishad that I was filing a lawsuit against the PRC, uh, that she would probably laugh me out of the courtroom and and tell me that if I've wasted any more of her time, uh, that I would be uh, uh, thrown in jail for contempt. James, can you break that down for me? Is, is that just a ploy to distract Tennesseans from what's really going on? Well, China is not our friend. They certainly are a global adversary. And China does need to be held accountable for being misleading about COVID-19. But we are still very much in the middle of combating this virus and should be focused on saving American lives. Just this week, Tennessee has seen some of our highest day-to-day case increases. We've got 12,000 active COVID cases. We're seeing high numbers of hospitalizations. A time will come for China to be held accountable 
in a manner with our allies that will make them change their behavior. But at this moment, all Tennesseans, especially those we elected to serve us, need to be focused on flattening the curve and saving lives. Great answer, James. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. Let's, um, l- let's talk about post-Trump era. Let's, uh, Joe Biden has a 15-point lead uh, right now. Not in Tennessee, but he does all over the country. How do we – I believe the country works great with two strong parties. Unfortunately, we don't have that right now. How do, what, what does the post-Trump Washington look like to you? I will work with anyone who will work with me to try and improve the lives of, of the American people. And I'm going to take this opportunity to tell you a quick war story. Okay. Uh, when, when I arrived, uh, shortly after I arrived in Iraq, uh, we were flying a nighttime mission over the desert with our night vision goggles. Uh, when you're wearing those goggles, you basically see everything in green with a very narrow field of view, about 40 degrees. And it's very easy to not notice if you're flying into a dust storm under goggles. They have that way to sort of see through the dust for just a little while. So we were flying late at night, just a few hundred feet over the ground in very tight formation with another aircraft and inadvertently flew into a dust storm. At that point, we were entirely blind. All we could see was green in front of our eyes. Well, you know, good leaders prepare for the worst and we understand that the unexpected can happen. And this is something we had trained for. So we implemented our emergency procedures. And for the next couple of hours, uh, we worked as a team to accomplish the mission, which was to survive that night. And I didn't know whether or not the person next to me was a Democrat or a Republican. I didn't know whether the people behind me were conservatives or liberals, but we had a mission to accomplish. We had to, we had to watch each other's backs and get through that situation, and we did. Senators have a mission too, to improve the lives of their constituents. We should expect nothing less from our U.S. senators than to go to Washington and accomplish that mission, working with whoever they have to on their team to get that done. Absolutely. Great story, James. And, and yes, and, and we're, it, it, the analogy, I mean, it's almost like we're flying in a dust storm right now with, with um, all of these different approaches with, you know, it, it, uh, basically uh, the way I see it is we're, we're a pandemic patient with 50 different doctors and prescriptions right now. And that's why the leadership in Washington is so important so that we all get on the same page and work together for each other. James, where can people find out more about your campaign? Anyone who wants to learn more about the campaign should go to jamesmackler.com, sign up for the campaign, uh, share things about the campaign on social media, and um, donate what you can. You know, Washington is failing Tennessee. Our hospitals are closing. Opioids aren't being addressed. The trade war hurts our economy more than any other state. You add in COVID-19 and there's a perfect storm gathering across Tennessee. People want change and we can win this open U.S. Senate seat if we if we seize the initiative. Our choice this year is going to be to send another Marshall Blackburn to the Senate. And that's what Bill Haggerty has pledged to be. Or we can make a change. I'm a different kind of candidate, an outsider, a veteran, a man of faith. My track record of service appeals to voters across Tennessee. And we need to build the team and raise the money to make sure that story is told. And so by going to jamesmackler.com, you're helping us, and we will win this open U.S. Senate seat when everyone wanting change joins the team to make it happen. I'm asking all of your listeners, vote for me on August 6th and again in November. James Mackler, candidate for the United States Senate from the great state of Tennessee. James, good luck, and thank you for joining us on The Man in the Middle. <laughs>